take this moment to say thank you to each and every one of you guys for being here on this podcast show, The Come Up Top of Your Game. I am not going to take full credit for this podcast show today. I want to say thank you to Tony Clark, who is not able to be with us today. And last but least, I would like to say thank you to Michael Van Tool for volunteering and stepping up on being the host of this show. Michael also helped out with the legacy of the come up top of your game. So I wanna take this moment to really tell Mike, I really appreciate him for being the partner that he is in this come up top of your game show. And Art and Ed and Calvin, I appreciate you guys coming on to share your stories and to help our young people develop and become young men. So bringing on, next I'm gonna turn this mic over to Mike Van Tool. And Mike is going to take the stage while I'll be out. So peace out, gentlemen. <laughs> great, great. Thank you so much, Carmen. And thank you for allowing me to uh, be co-host of the Come Up Top of Your Game. And um, thanks for letting us do this important show about manning up and taking responsibility for your life, your, your family, um, and you. Uh, and it's especially directed at young African-American men. So thank you so much uh, again, Carmen, and for turning this show over to us on this really, really important issue in our community. And so here go our panelists, uh, Mr. Calvin Mann, uh, a native Detroiter, uh, has entered the movement to help others, including youths as, as early as the 80s, basketball coach, facilitator, talk show host, mentor, visionary, author, community activist, father of four, and founder of Encourage Me, I'm Young, the nonprofit. Uh, Calvin Mann, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this panel. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And um, and we're waiting for uh, some of the, uh, one of our other panelists to, to chime in in a, just a minute, Reverend Arthur Washington uh, from Gary, Indiana. Uh, father of two, um, and recently retired from the U.S. Army uh, for 25 years, also a minister with the AME Church, African Methodist Episcopal Church, and a uh, member of Phi Beta Sigma fraternity. Thank you so much, uh, Reverend Washington, for joining us on this panel. Glad to be here. And Ed Withers, uh, Ed um, currently works in education as a middle school special education teacher, um, been in education for the past 14 years, um, also a coach, volunteer in the community, and a member of Groove Phi Groove, which I am, uh, my application is in process there, <laughs> I understand, uh, and also a father, dad of two kids. Uh, thank you, Ed, for being part of the panel. Yes, glad to be here. Great. All right. Um, and then myself, let me just give you a little bit of background. I'm a retired banker after 32 years in banking. Um, also a published poet uh, and a perform performance poet, radio talk show host for 25 years, uh, vice president of the nonprofit Franklin Wright Settlements, which helps uh, low and moderate income families in Metro Detroit and um, also an ambassador for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Michigan. And um, I have also a son and uh, Mrs. Van Tool and I and Cameron all graduated from 
the historic and legendary Cast Tech. I'm sure you all are aware of that place. Um, so we're here because there are some real big issues dragging down uh, our community. And unfortunately, uh, African-American men seem to be at the top of the worst list and the bottom of the best list in many, many cases. Um, it was heartbreaking when I was doing research for today's program to find out that um, we are basically, our life ex expectancy is lower. Um, and this is another one of those statistics that I was talking about just now. Um, we're sicker than most other groups. Our life expectancy is lower. Uh, our education levels are lower, including like 28% of African American men have Afri African American men have um, bachelor's degrees. Uh, we are we we are not represented well in executive positions. Um, we are not a major part of the labor force. We are a major part of the criminal justice system. Unfortunately, um, the list could go on. I believe it's time for action, and 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 I know you guys are to believe that also. I actually believe we really should. This should be like almost a, like a national emergency. To, to be honest, um, let me just go around and just see um, how you're feeling about what's going on and and these numbers. And there are more. I'll share some with you as we as we go along. The the literacy rate. It's only 47% uh, in our community. Um, uh, so, you know, our income is depressed, um, low employment. So we got a lot, we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to face. Uh, Arthur Washington, Reverend Washington, um, what are you, what, what's your thoughts about this? And then we're gonna get into some specifics later about what we're facing in our community, especially with young black men? Um, overall, it's, it's, it's depressing. Um, mm. I have a 24 year old son. Um, and for me, just retiring and you hearing the news, um, you're in my mind, I'm like, okay, what, what, what are some things that we can do? Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, you know, how can we reach those that may that may not be reachable? Um, and then one of the things that we're looking at is part of the problem is fathers not being around. Um, and then fathers not being around. And now it's causing what the mothers to have to what uh, overwork just mm -hmm. to make sure, you know, that son, because I was a product of that. You know, my father wasn't around. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom worked, you know, two or three jobs to, um, you know, to make sure, um, you know, that, you know, I had a, you know, good opportunity. Uh, but, you know, even with that, we don't know exactly what all of our, you know, young men may be going through. Past How did years. you make it? How did you make it? Um, by the grace of God. Mm -hmm. um, I'll put it that way. Um, and then plus a community. Because the odds for me coming from Gary, one was that I was told I would never uh, amount to anything. My mother would always have to take care of me. Um, I should have been aborted. 
uh, mm. I should have been aborted when uh, she became pregnant. And that, you know, I just absolutely would, you know, never be anything. Uh, but because of her prayers, my grandmother's prayers, and there were other men, uh, other men who stepped in as a father figure. That's what got me over the hill. And then especially to finally get a bachelor's degree and then to be able to, um, uh, you know, be, uh, you know, minister and then uh, be in the military. You know, all of this, I say, was, you know, definitely, you know, a grace of God. And so with that now, I'm trying to, you know, encourage my son. Yes. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's a lot for us fathers that are still here. There's a lot more for us to do than just and, walk around. And I think that's why this is a great panel. Let me um, welcome uh, our newest uh, panelist, uh, Brian Cheney, founder and CEO of Chain Reaction Counseling Services, a native Detroiter. Um, you understand the sensitive needs of mental health services in our community. Um, you are a graduate uh, or a graduate of um, Eastern Michigan, Bachelor of Social Work degree, Master's in Social Work. Thank you, um, Brian Cheney, for being on the program. Just unmute so we can uh, welcome you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Pardon me uh, being a little late. No problem. We are just getting started. So um, you're right in the conversation now. Ed, um, you're in, you're right in that now. You have been in education for a while. What are you, what are we missing or what's missing now? You, you, you're right on the front lines. Well, anytime I'm, I run across or uh, I'm dealing with a student that is, uh, you know, a lot of people look at it as uh, unmanageable, low grade, so forth. Mm -hmm. When I meet the parents and start understanding uh, their home life, it all it all makes sense. You you hear some of the challenges directly. Yeah. You hear what's going on, and yeah. and doesn't it prevent them from focusing the kids from focusing on success and learning? because they are distracted by the problems from home. Yes, I mean, when I'm dealing with the grandmother versus mom or dad, that's usually a red flag, mm -hmm. you know, uh, right off the bat. Uh, if I'm dealing with just mom, mom is working 10, 12 hours a day, trying to, you know, uh, pay the bills. She's just trying to make a living and survive. Right. And you know, that's another thing too. The, um, the Some of the parents are struggling so much. They don't have time to deal with all those things about growing up and teaching your kids and doing the right thing. Some do, but they are, they got their hands full. They're just trying to survive. They're just trying to make it in life. And, and then on top of all the things I've just uh, spoken about, we've got social media, We've got uh, the music industry and the movies and all that. They present challenges that we probably don't really think about like that. But uh, the the students I deal with, they really buy into that. So yes. no matter how negative or how wrong it is, this is what is being sensationalized. And this is what they're buying into. Yes. Calvin Mann, you and I have talked before. Um, 
uh, at different times about some of these same issues. Uh, you are very passionate about what you do to help young people. Um, you actually started a nonprofit, Encourage Me, I'm Young. Why did you start this organization a few years ago? Um, thank you. Um, for me, it was uh, we wallow in the mm. problems. Mm. We drown ourselves in the conversation of the problem. Mm. And so therefore it becomes hard to apply solutions. Even as though we've been educated, you've only been educated in to continue or exacerbate the situation, not to solve it. And so for me, it was, how do you solve it? And so for us, it began the family restoration. Uh, we start with the boy. We see it in the lives to the boy, to the restoration of family. And so having a 98% parental involvement and making sure that the information is readily available and then celebrating every little step we found to have the outcomes that we have today. Um, I, as you stated, we know the problems. You, you, mm -hmm. you stated at the beginning, you said it should be yeah. a national call. Well, there was, right? We put $12.8 billion in the girls and women's programs, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of us sat back and we sit, because when you look at the nonprofits, majority of the nonprofits are brand by women. So therefore, what happens when it came down to the black men and boys bag, they gave that to what? A woman. It's always been an impressive move. Men have collectively not come together in the way that we needed to come together to shift policy because of fear. Now, you do have the different areas, but our boys are watching yes. us. And so when they don't see us out front, how much respect is it going to have? So you're driving the same narrative repeatedly. And so even as Brother Washington said, television, music, the brother said about music and the, those things, those are unman-governed households. When a father is not present in the household, anything goes. Mm. And this country separated you. So poverty uptick because you're in a single mm. household, a two-parent household, it's uh, more the ability to do more. Yes. We like to defend it because it hires us. Uh, the system hires us. Um, the incarceration rate through the roof, but the system hires us there, right? Mm. This is what, you know, we go in. And so part of the dynamic over these years and in the process is we adopted things like pimping, plan, procrastination, uh, wow. things that we put and bred into our seed. So the dynamic is being birthed through the process of singleism. So when I walk into a home, like the brother said, as soon as he sees the grandmother, it's a red flag. Well, back in my day, when you saw the grandmother, it wasn't a red flag because everybody was at work. Today, right. you brought into these narratives, you see the grandmother, the grandmother might be 45. Mm-hmm. Right. Roles have changed. Yeah. Roles have changed, right? Because yeah. that's the outcome from the system. When you bought into the system, even around breeding, even how, you know, there's been things where we got multiple, 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 multiple situations. You have to read these things. So the thing that we decided was instead of us focusing on all of that, let's just focus right here. 
at an area where we can help, we can maintain the consistency, and we don't have to ask for permission from nobody to do the work. Yes, because, you know, you have to start from scratch. You have to start from the beginning. Um, there's so many different issues going on right now that you have to start from the beginning. Some Somebody said the other day, well, if there are not enough um, uh, Black men in this, why don't we hire some more? But the, the problem is there's not, I just read it about the labor force. We're not in the labor force. We don't have a bunch of Black men waiting to take positions like judges, judgeships, um, uh, pilots. We, we don't have that. So it's like, we we got to start from the very beginning and start like I like you said, Calvin, to to start from the beginning and reach and build from the family, build from the the young black kid and build here's, from there up. Here's here's my take, and 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 you can run with it, right? Here's my point. It's not necessarily that you have to really start there. It's just that those of us that are there has to be put in a position to do more. Mm -hmm. Those that are in position at the next level, education, they have to be put or put themselves in a position to do more, not by themselves, right? We like to reward the individual, right? Yes. No, over here is a team, right? And the team consists of both. Kids need both parents. And that has to become our conversation. A lot of times we just want to, you know, we, you know, we accomplish something, we be something, and you know, now it's, it's about me and, you know, I show up. No, it's a we thing and it's a cultural thing. And you don't have to be apologetic for being a cultural leader. What you have to do, and in, in my uh, estimation is, you're going to step on toes simply because you're a man. You see, yes, yes. simply because I'm a man in an authoritative position when I walk in, I'm stepping on toes automatically because everything has been conditioned against me. So if I know what I know, I rise above that and continue to go. You know, you're right. And I want to talk to um, uh, Brian Cheney about this too. Um, uh, Calvin, you've dealt with suicide prevention. Um, mental health is a big issue now. Um, it was before COVID. COVID just blew it up even bigger. Uh, uh, Brian, um, how important is this mental health uh, situation with our community now, with young Black men? Uh, well, thank you for, for even having this platform. And mm -hmm. mental health, as we know, is like at the forefront of everybody's uh, attention right now. And it's been there for a long time. We deal with anxiety and depression every day, but we really don't know how to identify it. We're told to go ahead, man up, or or just move forward. And a lot of times you see those emotions spill over uh, in different ways. You know, the acts of violence, so on and so forth, the risky behaviors that you see presented uh, on the news every day. Um, so I, I'm gonna tell you this, as a black man, as a black therapist, one of the best moves I've ever made was I went and got myself a therapist, okay? Mm. So we have to decrease that stigma that uh, having someone to talk to or, um, just having that outlet or or if you're anxious about something. If we've all been on the first date before, right? Everybody, or do you got any athletes? If you had a first game, you get butterflies. That's nothing but anxiety. However, when anxiety starts to uh, disturb your daily routines, your daily activities, and it stops you from being productive, then that's when it becomes a problem. But some anxiety is good for it. 
but we have to be able to identify so we can do something about it. Yes. And you know, the, this mental health issue is, is, is bigger and bigger because it also makes our young men make bad decisions. Um, uh, and it includes things like, uh, rush to judgments, anger, um, as, and right now, any type of an argument goes straight towards a gun to shoot. And that a lot of people believe that that is the way you solve a problem. And isn't that a mental health issue right there? It's because you're not learning how to handle rejection, failure, no disagreements, doubt. conflicts, and you go straight to picking up a gun. There's so many angles I can take on yes. that. And it's the like, okay, thing. where can we, but, but as we're talking now, I would like this to go to young black men, this podcast. I want them to hear it. I think that's one of our missing links. What do you think? Somebody chime in on that. How I do we reach that? that? We have to start teaching our children a process. And that's the one thing that, that we're not teaching. Everybody wants the end goal, but nobody wants the grind. And every day, like I say, success and failure is not one big production. Every day you're aligning your steps. Every day. So we need to start teaching our children processes. Give you a quick example. If you take someone who's never played basketball before and you put them in front of a rim, they might not be able to make a layup. But if I keep them there for 30 minutes for five days a week, I guarantee you in five days I could probably have them hit 10 straight. You have to teach that process and let them see when you put in the work, you will grow. And a lot of our young people, they just don't have those examples. So teach them the process. Don't tell oh. them to get the job done and not because they don't have the examples. We, we are right. Somewhere the families over the last few decades, I believe those lessons of life are not being shared. Uh, here's and, yeah, go ahead, Ed. Um, the piggyback on that, uh, what I've also noticed about knowing the health like what happened with the two-year-old girl, uh, which was a tragedy, that that individual that committed that crime it was is definitely at the very minimum emotionally impaired. And this ain't the first act of violence and stuff like that. And a lot of times, oh, they just crazy. Oh, you know, we dismiss it. And here's another thing that I'll notice: people that have accomplished things like degrees or they're part of a work you know, this organization, they drive this, they live here. We look at those things as replacements for who they are as a person. So a lot of times who are, if they're having internal issues or struggles, that gets overlooked because of their stuff. And I, I've noticed that a lot in my own family. You know, there's individuals I know are struggling with something, um, you know, emotional impairment or something, but it's being overlooked because of their accomplishments with their stuff. Yes, and, you're yeah. right, Ed. And um, you're talking about the case here that has gripped Detroit over the last 48 hours where um, a young man uh, tried to stab his girlfriend to death. Uh, she survived, but then he took the daughter. He took her daughter. And um, they are 
investigating it right now, but they believe that he was the one who killed the daughter and left mm -hmm. the body on the Detroit's east side. But mm -hmm. look how look how he handled those differences in his relationship. Look how he handled, and that's exactly what we're talking about. What well, I in this case, Mar. Yes, in Calvin. Case, in his case, we we we're again. This is how we make males disappear, right? This is us. We're mm -hmm. having this conversation about this man, mm -hmm. right? We 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 negate the fact that he left his son alive. Mm. Then talk about that. Wow. We're focused on the girl. Yeah. Everybody knows the girl name. You remember the case where the boy and we all see this. This is where we make males absent. This is mm -hmm. where you have a major conditioning issue. Mm -hmm. Little girl gets shot on the couch. First forty-eight. What's her name? You remember the cop came in. They was busting in the house, first 48. The little girl, the gun went off. The grandmother attacked the cop. The gun went off and killed the girl on the couch. Yes, and I remember the um, they settled out of court. Uh, it, they were filming it for a show they were at filming the time. It for sure, yes, right? I don't remember the name, but I, I remember that whole- Well, she has a mural, right? Mm -hmm. So the girl who's got killed, she has a mural. Mm -hmm. The boy that was killed, the reason why they was coming through the house, nobody said his name. Mm. His name was not even mentioned. A 16-year-old boy gets killed on the gun in the car, gets shot and killed in the van. The girl, they bust into the house where the boy was staying. They sit in front of the people, the father and everybody else is sitting in front of the people, right? Mm -hmm. And when they they sit in front of the people, they go, Jeffrey Fryger comes in, we're going to sue the police, this, that, they do the whole nine. Then the, then the real information come out. The father is the one that gave the boy the gun, drove the van that shot and killed the 16-year-old. So Richard yes. happened to his yes. daughter immediately. But what we forget, we yes. put the mural up of the girl yeah. and we don't even recognize the male. We're so used to throwing away our boys and this impacts them. Black yeah. men say all the time, man, they don't care. Nah, we, we all black, we right here, we, we didn't tell you. You said it, man, this society don't care about us. You see what I'm saying? So imagine what yeah. the boy is dealing with when we have a, a suicide rate of boys five to 11, number one, yeah. right? This is on us. I'm not I'm not with the, the whole, I'm with the, let's get to work. This yes. is on us. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not asking, don't get me wrong, going into these areas and, and doing this work or whatever, how many parents we can pull, how many relationships we can build, this is our job. Yes, yes. Our job as black males is black boys. Yes. yes. Art, you were gonna say something? Yeah, if, if I can add, just like I said, me coming out of the military, but there were situations where me being in a particular leadership position, I would notice my soldiers. And one of the things I try to do is get to know the soldiers. And knowing the soldiers, I'm trying to figure out, is there a pattern? And this was like my, uh, in my last duty station, being able to look and see, you know, where's, where, where did the soldiers come from? Because I think I had, I think I had three males and three females. With the males, particularly, um, I had, um, uh, I had a couple of them that were, um, you know, black male soldiers, but I took, 
I took a, a, a varied interest to make sure that I knew them, to see what was going on. I was the face that they saw when they first came in, you know, transferring in. So that way to get to know them, know a little bit, a bit, uh, bit about the background, meeting their families, being able to sit down and, you know, having that talk, you know, so that way we could have that, have that talk, you know, and there was one, um, there was a whole lot of stuff, but bottom line, um, you know, being able to, you know, encourage, being able to help, being able to sit, be able to have somebody else that they can talk to, because again, you know, like he said, boys are our main focus. Yes. And, and so each of us, we've got to do something, but what do we have? What, what opportunity do we have? And whatever opportunity it is, we need to take full advantage of it. Yes. And, and let's get specific here because here's some things that, that I jotted down that we, that need to be done. And I know Calvin, you already started on a lot of these things, but we've got to, to start with how do, do our young men know how to treat themselves, first of all, to treat themselves better to have a better self-esteem, but also how to treat women and, and not to think of them as objects or objects of conquest. Um, you know, we have to teach them how to treat women, how to speak to them, relationships, how to be in a relationship. We need to teach financial responsibility um, to our young men. You know, we need to teach them about working and getting a job because that's how you can provide for yourself. That's how you can get things. That's how you can start a family. That's how you can find a place to stay. Um, you see, it's, and also it's about that part I said about you, how to treat you. What do you believe in? Do you have faith? Do you believe in a higher being? You see, Calvin, what are some of the things that you do specifically with your organization because that's where we're at right now. We we covered what the problem is. We covered what resources and knowledge we have. Now let's say what needs to be done and how do we do it and how do we reach them? So uh, our formula is fatherhood. It takes 12 mentors to equal one father. Bringing more fathers together to put fathers in front of boys is, is ultimately important. Mm -hmm. In our mentoring program, we recruit fathers. We specifically recruit fathers through our Good Fathers Only organization in order for both to get the benefit. A lot of people like to cite the Frederick Douglass quote, it's better to raise children than it is to repair broken men. Mm -hmm. We found a formula that works where we're doing both. We're building children and repairing men. We know if we take a father, that doesn't see his kids or haven't had access, bring him in training and turn him into a mentor. We know that that raises his fatherhood and his fathering is out and is on the young man. He begins to fight for his family. We also recognize that with us having parent parental involvement, we bring the mother in and we take some strategic steps uh, with making sure it's called boss, building our sons. We take strategic steps uh, and Carmen will tell you, because she's been to a bunch of them, right? We take strategic steps on self-care for mothers. Mothers understanding how the house has got to be when the boy comes back in. We take those strategic steps. We bring the whole family together, right? We, 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 we have a trip at the end of the year that everyone is involved in. 
there is a buy-in. Even in an impoverished situation, we require the parent to buy in. Why? Because if you spend some money, it becomes a little more important to you. How do you get those young black men in front of you, Calvin? That, that... We go get them and the parents you go know. get them. Okay. Yeah, and the parents know I'm out here. We out here doing this work. Like we don't, there are only so many, we pull from five counties. We got a 10 city plan. Gary, Indiana is one of those cities, mm. right? So we got a 10 city plan. We understand uh, what society call marginalization. Uh, we understand that, right? But we don't use those terms. We look at those cities as promise because when you correct the steps in the order of a young man, you get a warrior, you get a father, you get a husband. When you correct those steps, we are not doing a good enough job to correct the steps. Everyone is suddenly, like the brother said, everyone's talking mental health. But how effective is the dad? The biological father is still the most important element yeah. in the family, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. it, with that being said, what is his value? So you could put these kids in prison. We decided that this structure that we created in 14 weeks would produce the outcomes and it has produced 98% parental involvement. My boys are leaders, they're universities, they're everywhere. We, the community service is part of what we teach them. They have to go out and do it in the community. We changed the wiring because the one thing that has happened that we're ignoring, and I asked this um, in research, right? Something is happening to the male in the womb. And I believe it's because we buy into the system of how the child is being born. So if the child is born on the system, she has to begin to push you away. When a child is born in a marital situation, her fear is at stake. Men, fathers, we all impact infant mortality. So when a father is present at the time of the birth, cognitively of the boy, see the girl has her in-house role model. The right. boy cognitively is better when he falls out of wound and he sees something that looks like him or he hears that. We take that away. So the damage is happening at the womb. Now, as we do this work, we have programs for three to seven for the literacy and the 14 to 24s, training and everything. But who's going to fund that, right? So yeah. they're not going to fund what they already see that they're eating off of. See, we're eating off of the broken home. We're eating off the separation, the, the juvenile system. We're eating off that. Uh, the, this, the, the broken, the, the foster care, they're eating off that, right? All mm -hmm. of these areas, but who's the majority in all those areas? Our children. Yes, so yes. It has to be something that we understand as men and as fathers. I like the father because the father is the coldest to me. Right. Yes. And, and, and Calvin, you know, there are so many things that are pulling our young men away, uh, whether it's uh, music, videos, video games, um, car, cars, you know, I found out that that is the introduction point for a lot of young black men to the judicial system. It's a car. They'll get tickets and they can't pay them. Uh, they'll get suspended driver's license. Uh, the driver's license will be taken. Um, and then all of a sudden it becomes a criminal situation that they're in because they keep driving, they keep speeding and things like that. Another trigger point is women. How can, how can we get 
our young black men to realize that we have to treat women better and have better relationships and that it's not a predatory i can tell you this as i think all of us as we grew up you know whenever a group of us got together and and it still happens to this day a lot of the conversation is man who you talking to her yeah i like i hit that last week uh, you know i'm finished with her you know and it's just this cycle and and where our women are not being respected and and treated properly it's where do we get that lesson in what about so, uh, let me give uh brian yeah. a chance uh where do we get that conversation in uh brian about treating our women better even mothers and daughters and girlfriends and wives every opportunity we can and again we're the example um, and studies showing us that uh, social media, you know, with people, with, with our young watching this social media is, is causing a lot of anxiety, it's causing a lot of depression, but it's also causing some of these acts because they think this is okay. Yeah. One of my most extreme cases, I have a guy who watches Walmart fights, so he's afraid to be in public now. His mm. safe haven is being in his room at his computer. In his room at his computer, he's afraid to go to school. He's afraid if anybody approaches him. And it's because of what he's watched on social media. So that's how it that's affects a, us a, in the real world now. That's that's isn't that something? Cases. Yes. yes. And it, it's a sad case because the young man is very intelligent, 19 years old, very intelligent. But he's afraid of the world because of what he's seen on social media. Um, yeah, Ed, go ahead. Also, we've got to recognize this. Uh, I want to I want to make a statement first. When I was, when I lived in Virginia, I lived near uh, Norfolk State, and there was a a liquor store right across the street from the the campus, and they realized that it was the you know a lot of the students were going over there buying liquor even when they was on the age, and the alcohol was causing a lot of problems on campus. So they, they ended up closing that liquor store down. Why am I saying this? Well. In Detroit and the city I live in, which is Inkster, not too far from Detroit, you got churches on every corner. But right across the street, you got a liquor store. So, yes, um, many of them, so tons of them. Those, those that are straddling the fence of, you know, do I, do I go, you know, get my soul fulfilled, you know, talk to God or hire it then, or do I go across the street over here and, you know, and satisfy this flesh, right? getting his alcohol, it's a struggle. We got to shut these liquor stores. Why do we need liquor stores on every corner? Why do we need clubs everywhere? We're supposed to be in a recession. That we, I ride through uh, the city of Detroit on the weekend. They parked all on the grass at the club and all that. Why? The alcohol. You take the alcohol away, a lot of these clubs won't even be there. So we have to we have to start cleaning up our communities. Cleaning up our communities is not just sticking up the trash and and getting rid of the abandoned places, but also you don't go in any other community around here and and and, and see it like Detroit or Inkster, where there's a liquor store in every corner. That's ridiculous. Well, I talked to a salesman in Virginia one time, and uh, he was like, "Where are you from?" And you know, I I, I say Detroit because you know nobody knows Inkster. Right. He, he said Detroit. He's like, I'm a liquor salesman. He said they sell more, 
there, this area sells more cognac than any other place in the world. I believe it. I believe it. You know, do you know that there are some suburban communities that do not sell 40 ounce because they don't want to encourage that much alcohol consumed by an individual, by their teens that, that come into that? the store? Why do you need 40 ounces of beer? Every right. now and then I, I will have a beer. I don't need 40 ounces. Yes, yes, you're right. Look, I got, let me start to wrap things up a little bit. Um, and I'm going to start with uh, Arthur Washington. Art, um, what, as a result of what the things that we discuss, what has been reinforced for you or what is at the top of your mind now as we wrap up after this conversation? Is, is there something that you're going to do more? Are you going to uh, start to do something? Uh, because I'm going to tell you what what I'm going to do, but I just want to hear what you guys have to say, Arthur. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I'm I'm no longer living in Gary. I'm, I've mm. been in Gary in a long time, but that's where I'm originally from. But I'm mm. currently in um, um, Huntsville, Alabama. And so coming out of the military, one of my big things, and then just listening to what the other brothers were saying, my wife is a mental health counselor here in Huntsville. Mm. Oh, okay. okay. So, so I, I know. And then being able to have some family members that dealt with mental illness. One of the things that I want to be able to do is get into an organization where to help you know, with, you know, mental, um, um, mental illness, but not only that, but reaching out to some of our young men here, yeah. um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm just getting here, uh, you know, getting connected. And that's one of the goals. Um, I've seen outreach. I've been part of outreach, but I want to be able to reach out to young men because that's some, some things that I did on my own, you know, in the military. And so I want to be able to connect with, you know, some brothers, I would love to, you know, continue to, um, you know, connect with uh, Calvin and and uh, Brian and um, and the other brother, uh, Ed, uh, you know, just to get some ideas. Uh, mm -hmm. Because regardless if it's Detroit, regardless if it's from Gary, where I'm originally from, or here in Huntsville, the story is still the same. We got to say yes. our boys. And so yes. the bottom line is being able to connect with some folks so that way we can reach out and grab, you know, our boys so that way we can teach them how to be a man, how to talk to a woman, you know, be careful with, you know, social media, because these are all of these, because right now our kids are in survival mode. They're tired and they're angry, and we've got to figure out some way to try to help. That's true. And one of the things that I'm going to do more is whenever I am in front of people and uh, I'm going to focus, I'm going to pinpoint my message now to young African-American boys and men that are in my audience. I, I spoke in general, but as of today, I'm gonna pinpoint and be more specific and talk directly to them going forward. Like I said, this is a, it, it's a national emergency. Calvin, what, um, are, what is gonna be reinforced or different in, in your mind? Um. For us is is to continue raising the bar. Yeah. Um, recruiting fathers like Arthur and these two brothers to become members of Good Fathers Only and begin to uh, network where they are with other fathers yeah. so we can do some more mentoring. Um, for us is to encourage me, I'm young, to continue to spread the message. Yes. That boys five to eleven are number one in suicide. 
right? And all the things that we're talking about are symptoms from absent fathers. So 95% of the problems you see today is connected to the absent of dead. The system knew that. So they eat. For me, it's to continue to move the needle, right? Because if you got big brothers, big sisters, black boy is the last one selected on the list. Boys is second to last from being sent. Mm -hmm. So it gives us an opportunity to, to make steps into an area that is needed. If you can just grab one boy, as I tell the fathers, if you stand out on a porch and you govern as far as you can see right and as far as you can see left, you know, you can make a difference, especially when, if it's another father on the block or the whole nine. For us, it's, it's about us continuing our work. Huntsville, how far is Huntsville from Birmingham? Because we, uh, we got an address in Birmingham that we have already began to try to reach out to the resources in Birmingham, Alabama, because the boys there uh, and the housing there and the poverty there is yeah. astronomical. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm about an hour, um, 45 minutes to about an hour, because matter of fact, the church I pastor is um, is on the way to Birmingham. And my, actually, my parents stay in Birmingham, so I frequent Birmingham um, a lot. So I'll, I'll, I'll definitely make sure I get in contact with you so that way, you know, I can reach out to them as well. And, and Calvin, you are doing exactly what what has to be done by committing yourself to your your um, nonprofit. Um, exactly what needs to be done. Ed, what what are you going to do differently, or what is high on your priority list now after we've had this conversation today? Well, um, currently I'm a you know I also coach football. Mm -hmm. I'm out here. Uh, with my fraternal organization and stuff like that, helping to develop uh, these young men and get and show them the alternatives. Uh, there's a better way to do things, uh, to live your life, and why. You, you give them the why. And so I, my focus on, is on uh, leadership because you got to lead them in the right direction. And, Absolutely. And um, I go back to the Million Man March. The leader was uh, uh, the Minister Farrakhan. He had all those men down there, and I never heard. I went to the second one. I wasn't at the first one. I regret that. I didn't. I, as far as my eyes could see, I could see brothers. I didn't see one fight. I didn't see nobody cursing nobody out. So to me, that goes back to the leadership. Yeah, it goes back to the leadership. We had <clears throat> the leadership will help change the narrative. It's not about drinking and hanging out on the corner with your homeboys, talking in street lingo and, you know, going to the club. It's not about that. So we have to show them something differently. And that's on the leadership. And we and I, I agree with the uh, young brother uh, that says recruiting was named Calvin. He talks yeah. about uh, fathers and stuff like that. we got to show them because a lot of times they didn't have an example in their life. Right. That's true. And that's why that's why we're here. And that's what we've got to do. So we've got our mission. Brian Chaney, um, what is something that you're going to do different or you're going to add or is high on your mind as a priority today? Well, first, first of all, I got a lot of firepower just sitting here with you guys. So I appreciate <laughs> all the gems that you guys dropped. Yeah. But um, just like what's your why? Um, and Mr. Man, you kicked a lot of a lot of good things, but in my mind, um, we're all coaches as, as fathers, as men, we're all mm -hmm. coaches. We're examples of what 
And, and if you watch a team, they respond to their coaches. They're their example of their coaches. And if you know what I know, a coach impacts more lives in one season than the average human does in a lifetime. So what are we teaching them? And we know that the biggest area of growth in a child's brain is from zero to three and three to six. By seven, it's pretty much, it's pretty much done. So if you're telling that young person that they're nothing, they're just like their father, so on and so forth, these are the demons that they're going to chase the rest of their life. Ace scores show us that. However, my thing is every opportunity that we get, you tell these young kings, grand rising, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're, you're, you're awesome, and you give them all these positive examples of what Hope. their life could be so that they can Hope. believe. The magic yes. isn't believing. And if uh -huh. they don't see it, and if everything around them is downtrodden, then that's what they think it's all about. Yeah. So we have to breathe this into them, especially before they're seven years old. Uh -huh. As much yes. as possible. As much as possible before they're seven years old is very important. That is so much. It's hope. It's hope that we have to give them to real work, but we also have to give them hope. Man, this was uh, somebody said that we should do this again. And I definitely um, I definitely want to do this again. Um, it's almost like and we could have gone into more detail if we have more time, but we know this is in the middle, the, you guys are all working men. I think we all have sons, all of us here have sons. And I think that's what, one of the key points in this, but I just wanna go around and thank everybody. Brian Cheney, thank you so much, a mental health specialist for uh, contributing to the panel. Uh, and uh, I feel good that we had this conversation and, and we had some answers, we have answers and, and we can, I wish that we can bring this back again. Uh, Calvin Mann, thank you so much, uh, founder of Encourage Me, I'm Young. You're already doing this on a daily basis, 24-7. Uh, um, thank you so much. Reverend Arthur Washington, recently retired from U.S. Army. <laughs> thank you so much thank you. Uh, for being uh, on the panel. Uh, this panel, we're keeping this panel. Uh, Big Ed, Ed, Ed Withers. Uh, yes, thank you so much. Uh, you're on the front line, too, in education, uh, and we appreciate your input. My name is Michael Van Tool. Thank you all so much uh, for being on this uh, panel, uh, manning up, but specifically to have a more effective, successful you, to have a more successful life, productive citizens and for your families. That's what we're talking about. Sometimes people think about what's manning up mean? That's what it means. It means to improve and lift up yourself, your family, and your life. That's what it's all about. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, gentlemen. I thank uh, Carmen uh, for uh, giving us this opportunity, and uh, we're going to do this again. God bless you all. Thank you. God bless you. Okay. God bless you. Thank you, guys.